After Brexit, we hear a great deal about free trade and the government's desire to sign as many free trade deals as possible, all part of the new global Britain. And we started off, of course, by doing the first trade deal in history or recent history where the sheer and clear objective has been to put grit in the wheel and make trade more difficult than it had been before. I'm talking about the deal with the EU. But now, post-EU, the government has turned to Australia and a possible free trade deal there. It wants to do the same with India. And the big prize out ahead is the United States. All of this free trade is supposed to open up new markets, allow the British economy to diversify away from Europe and uh, bring in the new great economic renaissance, the new dawn for Britain. Well, not everyone shares that uh, glossy view and there are good and bad reasons for having some scepticism about these uh, arrangements. The farmers, of course, uh, kick up an enormous fuss whenever trade deals come along because they know that although agriculture is never the most important economic activity, because of the politics of farming and their geography, farming issues always end up being the most contentious and most difficult in new trading arrangements. And that's true here. If you listen to the shrieks from the NFU in particular, you'd think that the entirety of British agriculture is about to be sold down the river and collapse in the face of some beef and sheep imports from Australia. They don't shout security of supply anymore or self-sufficiency. This is about trade not being fair. Free trade is not what the NFU have in mind or many farmers what they want is what they call fair trade. And there are a series of arguments that are put forward and it's worth unpacking these. The first one is that, you know, the trouble with free trade is that it's competition and somebody might lose. And it's not hard to see that if you've got as the Welsh First Minister said on the radio, an upland sheep farmer with, say, 60 sheep, it's not going to be an easy competition to win against a big sheep ranching activity in Australia or then New Zealand or elsewhere. And the reason's pretty straightforward. You know, if you look at the patchwork quilt of the British countryside, if you look at its fabulous, diverse geology, if you look at its catchments, farming in the UK in many, many areas, especially in things like upland sheep, it's basically just not competitive globally. And uh, this, of course, goes to the heart of the myth which the uh, farming lobbyists sometimes put out, which is British food is cheap and we ought to carry on supporting British agriculture because we want cheap food. That's an absolute nonsense. Uh, the common agricultural policy was designed to make imports more difficult in order to protect farmers inside the EU. And that's why the CAP produced more expensive food rather than cheaper food. And if we face up to the reality, you know, it's like coal mining, a whole series of other things in the past. If it's not economic, then in a trade arrangements, consumers are better off 
having a much more efficient and cheaper alternative. Now, what the Welsh First Minister could have said was, but, you know, we want to continue upland sheep farming in order to protect social groups, look after the environment and so on. Trouble is that the upland sheep farming is not very good for the environment on the scale that's been practised. And public money for public goods is the way to think about better use of the land than trying to compete on large-scale farming practices with places like Australia. Rather than keep an Australian produce out, a better way would be to recognise that the world has changed and the use of our land may have other and better purposes than for which it's currently used. Now, the second argument that's trotted out is that, ah, yeah, we can't have these foreign foodstuffs, we can't have foreign sheep and beef because, you know, their environmental standards are much lower than ours and so too are their animal welfare standards. Well, if that's the case, then there's nothing against, in my view, uh, making sure that free trade means fair trade on common standards. But I think British farmers should pause for a moment before they just assert boldly that ours are the best standards in the world, everyone else is inferior, and uh, we should therefore keep them all out. I'm afraid that won't wash because it's true of lots of the things that we import at the moment, that there are different standards elsewhere. And the really worrying thing for British farmers might be that there are some areas where our standards might be lower than overseas, particularly where we keep, for example, animals indoors, we keep them in concentrated ways. And although it may well be true that there are drugs and other genetic interventions in, say, Australian farming, it's also true that these animals are very much out of doors and uh, there are other welfare considerations to bear in mind. And as we go forward, as the UK, or particularly the English part of the UK, flirts with lowering environmental standards, uh, derogations on neonics is the one that comes to mind, uh, but there are lots of other questionable issues around uh, chemical use, which the British government might well want to weaken compared with the EU. Well, maybe the EU could just keep us out as well. So just be careful with that argument that it actually stands up to inspection and it will do going forward. But if it does, we have a choice. We can simply say no, no imports, only UK production to anyone anywhere in the world who produces things to a lower standard than us. But I think your supermarket shelves would look very, very different if you did. Now, the third argument that's trotted out is that trade is bad for climate change mitigation and that essentially trade causes more climate change. Now here um, there are some really important arguments and it is not at all clear that all trade is going to be beneficial for our carbon targets and indeed uh, the concentration of carbon in the atmosphere. What's the answer? Well the appropriate thing to do is to have a carbon border price and apply the same price of carbon to imports as domestically. So uh, we would apply the same carbon price to steel produced in Britain as with regard steel produced in China, and that would have to be paid at the port, unless the country exporting to us has an equivalent carbon price at home. 
That's the route the EU is going with its package forthcoming in July. And that's the route we ought to go, because, of course, a carbon production territorial net zero target does not stop us causing climate change. In fact, it positively encourages us to outsource carbon intensive industries, import them back to the UK, and then they don't count against our territorial emissions. So yes, we should correct trade for carbon. And if we did a correct trade for carbon, there probably would be a bit less, maybe quite a lot less. And that would be fair trade and efficient trade. And that's indeed what we should do. So it is right to question whether free trade is really fair trade and whether free trade is always and everywhere efficient. Trouble is for the farmers that when it comes to the climate change argument, which is the best card that they have, it is important to note that the last thing that the farmers want is for carbon pricing to be applied to themselves. They want to be subsidised to sequestrate carbon, but you have to remember that relative to its size, British agriculture is by far the most polluting industry in respect of climate change. 0.6% of GDP producing, say, 10, 11% of measured emissions without taking proper account of the soils and the peat issues on top. That's proportionally massive compared with heating, transport and uh, power generation. And when the NFU talks about being net zero by 240, what they really mean is give us some money, let's have some subsidies, and then we'll stop emitting the carbon. And of course, they'd never want to campaign to have the subsidy to red diesel removed as well. So let's get real about trade. The Australian deal provides a really good opportunity to address these issues. Let's cut through all the lobbying and let's focus on what genuinely would be in the interests of the UK, what would be genuinely fair trade, what would be genuinely appropriate carbon policy and a net zero carbon consumption target with our carbon border adjustments. And let's drop away some of the more shriekish and loud uh, lobbying which comes with any challenge to the way in which we develop farming under the CAP and let's embrace moving away from that kind of regime to one where we have fair trade and we think about the land use in a much more coherent way. And that's why public money for public goods is the right way to think about supporting those communities who will lose out because they're uncompetitive in any trade deal. Thank you.